If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, friends. Welcome back to Baby Got Batch. I'm Brett Vergara. And I'm Camila Salazar. Uh, well, we finally did it. Uh, it feels like this season has been years long, and <laughs> we're finally actually here uh, recapping it. And boy, what a what a time, to say the least. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're in March already. You know, we're like literally halfway through March. I know, I know. And uh, well... Yeah, as we as we learned uh, later on in the in the episode, uh, we're in middle of March, and this next like two months or so is going to be the only time this year that Bachelor or a Bachelor Jason show is is not on the entire yeah, year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We got another marathon of content coming on up. I don't know if if we can, do. You think we can take it? We can handle it, Brent. Listen, I kind of have faith in us, but it's also so much to think about. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to this break. Don't worry, listener. We're going to be having new episodes, just, you know, not recaps. Um, We're going to take next week off just as like a breather, but we'll be back the week after that, hopefully with some interviews with some fun uh bachelor alums if there's anyone you want us to interview uh email us let us know suggest people we'd love to you know give the people what they want so Heck yeah yes yeah, stay tuned baby got batch pot at gmail.com well just because there's a lot to get into kind of a lot to get into but also like not a ton to get into mm-hmm. shall we just get into it right away let's do it yeah i do feel the need to push back on that and say there is a lot time-wise that we saw, but not a lot substance-wise. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like I'm I'm like thinking of the three hours. It kind of feels like when you're on, say, Clubhouse and you somehow spent five hours in a Clubhouse and you're like, I know I was there the entire time. But if someone were to ask me what happened, I'd, I'd maybe pick up on like a couple things and that's it. Oh, yeah. I relate. Totally relatable. Been there. <laughs> Listen, one day clubhouse will come to android people one day but that's the thing is like the first two hours uh i was kind of surprised that they didn't dedicate more time to the after the final rose i thought it was going to be maybe a quick hour because i knew it was going to be three hours total and Mm -hmm. i thought it was going to be an hour to just like wrap up things with michelle and rachel you know we kind of see uh what happened there and then we were like really gonna um yeah go into things in the after the final rose for two full hours. But if anything, the, the first half felt a bit, um, you know, drawn out or not Super the first half, the first out. two thirds. Yeah. And then the last, the last third, I wouldn't say felt rushed, but there were segments I feel like could have been longer. There were complete topics that we didn't even broach. I felt, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. I was like, wow, this is, you would think, 
that the fact that they go out of their way to make it three hours because finales aren't always three hours. I mean, they're not. It's not uncommon, but it's also not the norm. So you would think that they would make it three hours to like really pack as much as possible into yeah. you know Emmanuel Acho's appearance. Yeah, but all they did was like draw out. Like it was just so boring. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like just like with everything that we talk about on this show, it's all a choice. All of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, like the finale basically consisted of uh, Michelle and Rachel meeting Matt's mom and, and brother there. Were there certain moments with Michelle uh, meeting Matt's family that jumped out at you? There were a couple. But before we even get into that, I did want to point out like just immediately the like my first reaction from like the very beginning of of the whole season finale is that the first thing we're listening to is like Chris Harrison VO. I'm like, I thought he took us for the, Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Uh, Chris Harrison voiceover. Um, and the first thing I thought was like, man, dude, I thought you were taking time off. I thought you were taking time away and decreasing your presence from the franchise. And I get it. Chris Harrison's a powerful guy, both, you know, publicly, like to us, we know him. He's a quote unquote face. And also he's an executive producer. So like, I'm sure he has some pull or whatever, but you're literally not stepping away, you know, yeah. like it, it. And for people who might be like, well, this was recorded a while ago. Chris Harrison normally does these transitions live. Like he does all the voiceovers that he did. He would do that live. He just did it. In, and, and if you listen, like he'll say Emmanuel Acho's name here and there, he like yeah. introduces yeah. him. It was by design that his voiceover was done for this after the final rose that doesn't feature him. And yeah. again, choices. Yeah, no, that's like such a good point, like especially with, with Emmanuel Acho there because one could like argue if it's for like the, you know, the tell-all or the finale. It's like, oh, well, like production was in a difficult spot because this was filmed beforehand and then like they, it would have been really clunky, but – they didn't have to have him introduce Emmanuel Acho. I'm pretty sure yeah. we saw him with like just like, you know, crush like after the final rose. I really think, I mean, I think Emmanuel did an amazing job. Um, I think he could have introduced himself just fine. I don't think he needed yeah. Chris. Yeah. I think he did okay. I don't think he did an amazing job, but not even in the interview side of it, just in like the presentation side of it. And I think that's because like – just practice like i think bachelor's really niche and i don't th i think that he could get there but i felt like he was awkward in the only in the beginning teleprompter time i was yeah. like well well we'll get more into that maybe <laughs> we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves well i just couldn't let it stand i thought about just not saying anything and waiting till later but i was like i gotta make sure people know right now that i slightly yeah. disagree <laughs> and that we will return to this topic yeah but with like the 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 last note on like the Chris Harrison stepping aside thing is like I you know it's it's so true with like the voiceovers and everything and that's why when they've really been leaning into this narrative of like oh yeah he's stepping away he's taking a break from the franchise it's like where you know now we know that he's not going to be hosting um, you know like the next season of Bachelorette which that's more of like an actual break from the franchise that's like what was needed yeah um, I mean I think a little more than that is needed but that's like personal opinion um, but yeah like there was literally no break literally none yeah but when it came to Michelle and Rachel meeting the family um, I had a couple moments that stuck out to me first was Matt James's brother, John James, 
uh, just wearing gold fronts casually on <laughs> ABC. I thought it was great and twitter agreed i don't normally watch twitter um so closely when i watch finales but i feel like this season it's warranted and there was a deluge of people um (laughs) commenting on that and it was just really fun and um i just gotta say like i think people are always talking about you know representation representation is important of course it is. It's super important. And I feel like, you know, the slow rollout of representation is like seeing people who look different, but being on their best behavior or, you know, mm-hmm. Matt did kind of also like Matt alluded to, um, you know, him needing to be perfect basically on, yeah, yeah. on screen. Cause it'd be the first time that someone like him was in like a lot of people's living rooms, you yeah. know? And I, of course, like I get that. There's a degree of respectability politics in there, which kind of sucks. And so what I loved about this moment is because that I felt like it was a very unfiltered moment. Like I felt like this guy was 100% being himself. Like this is his style. This is what he rocks at home. You know, yeah. something, you know, I think about and this is something that, you know, Matt has said, and it's just been a criticism of and a, a very deserved criticism of um, Bachelor, especially how it handles, you know, diversity and inclusion is that like, when they do bring in, say, a black lead or any sort of like black indigenous person of color, there's like this idea of like palatable blackness, right? It's like, yeah. oh, like we'd love to have a black lead, but like, you know, let's let's like make sure, make she's sure a lawyer. though. Like, yeah, like let's make sure that like our uh, you know, very dominantly white audience is like not gonna be too unsettled, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of like why it was refreshing to see his brother, because I don't think his brother was as like you know, his in brother his was unbothered. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, honestly, too, like, I, I mean, I've now just been thinking of like, who, who can we get to replace Chris Harrison? And I was like, I don't know, man. I think Matt's brother, he had some questions. He was ready to grill people. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, <laughs> like, I just remember, like, even more to thank you. You're, you're helping me like get a lot of the words. <laughs> and even more to your point, like. The second that Matt walked out and said hi to his brother, his brother was like, oh, you got the waves. And I was like, that is. And then and then I was waiting for someone to explain or clarify. And no one did. And I was like, yes, that is exactly, I think, what we're talking about. It's just kind of like that unfiltered, not palatable, not like whitesplaining or mansplaining or, or however you would call that. But just like, oh, yeah, these are normal things in yeah. non-white culture that people yeah. notice or say to each yeah. other or laugh about or where well it's kind of like what i what i think about and this is like a, a jump entirely but i think about when say like a sitcom or maybe it's like a hallmark movie or what have you uh it'll feature like a gay couple and it'll be like oh my god there's a gay couple in this hallmark movie and it needs to be like a big to do like every single time mm-hmm. and like the point you ultimately want to get at is like It can just exist and it doesn't need to be like, all right, break for everybody. Let's like unpack what this means and explain it for everybody who might not know. It's just like, yeah, they're just existing and that's what you ultimately want to see. Yeah, I think that's the next steps in terms of like real representation is to be able to just exist. Just it not be weird or spectacle that you are living your life the way you want to live it or just live it by default so in the yeah. hallmark example being gay in yeah. the example of tonight uh being able to wear what you normally wear or speak the way you normally speak or see one person interact with another black person the way that they normally would without having to whitewash it or yeah. wash it down or translate it or anything yeah 
But and yeah, and like um, you know, I thought that both uh, his brother and his mom were just like very warm and welcoming to Michelle. I mean, like his his brother did like again like bring bring some some heat. He like, brought the sass. Yeah, yeah. No, he like got like the hot seat out, and he was he was ready to to interview. Um, mm-hmm. But um, no, and then you know just to you know quickly go over it, it's like we kind of revisit, especially with Michelle and Matt's mom, like that whole idea of, and you can really see like how affected Matt's mom is by not only meeting uh, Michelle, but meeting like Rachel a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. And just like how much uh, one like joy that she's getting from, from seeing, uh, you know, like Matt and, and uh, Michelle and and Rachel, all these relationships develop, but you can also see fear, right? Like I think she's really starting to have these like conflicted feelings that we ultimately see, start to like rub off on on matt right but with michelle you know we get that whole idea of like well i think that even though he tended to lean to like friendships with big families and his mom uh, was always glad to to see that because she was always very you know aware that she couldn't exactly give him like this uh you know strong big family this traditional strong big family and then i just consistently love michelle framing that as a positive. And I loved what she said around that because of that, he might be a little bit more grateful for things that some people just take for granted. So I just love Michelle so much. Yeah. Um, It reminded me of that first one-on-one with Brie where she brought that up and he was like, oh my God, yeah. I wonder if they were like, write this down for later. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it might not be Brie who says it, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it was a powerful moment. Yeah, yeah. And then with Rachel's uh, meeting of Matt's family, was there anything there that you felt stuck out to you? Uh, I wouldn't say that when Rachel was actually meeting Matt's uh, mom and brother, there was anything really uh, super unique or, you know, it it was a lot of like the same type of uh, reactions. But I did think the like the debrief that Matt had after they had met Rachel. That's where uh, I, I think we really had a moment. And we started seeing yeah. this foreshadowing of, you know, not only Matt's mom like unfurling a little bit, but then uh, just starting to see deep rooted fears and anxieties around love and relationships uh, unfurl. Matt, I feel like we are really talking about some important things. And, you know, when you say you love somebody, does that mean, oh, automatically I'm going to become engaged? Or does that mean I feel comfortable enough to see where this is going to go down the road? You know, I know you don't take love lightly and saying things lightly because what do you want? Good communication, trust. I mean, I know they both love you, but feelings come and go. And to tell somebody you love them is big because that opens their hearts up. And just speaking from experience, there's nothing like being in love. It makes life wonderful. But, you know, people fall in and out of love and love is not the end all be all. That was uh, tense and like impactful moment for sure. Right, I'm curious your reaction to that to matt's mom saying this to matt yeah i mean talk about like a a real and raw moment right i mean it's it was it was obviously really intense and i really felt for 
you know, not only her, but, you know, for Matt, and because you can just really see how what not only, you know, Matt went through, but what Matt's mom went through really impacted both of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember when we first like met Matt's mom, or maybe like the second time, when when Matt was actually talking about, um, you know, his mom, and he was saying that one of his fears or or something he thinks about is his mom not like currently having a partner and like just really feeling for her in that respect. And I remember it's we were going over that idea of, mm-hmm. well, if that's something like she really, you know, wants, then like, you know, by all means, like, you know, live that single life, Matt's mom. Um, but I can also just really feel like the pain. Like I, I think I really felt her pain in this moment. And you can see like the underlying pain of of Matt there. And I think it but was the pain like, from being alone or was the pain from the residuals of like the heartbreak that never healed properly? From I think it's a bit of death. both. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit of both there, right? Like I think it's it's clearly more the residual pain and, and the, you know, talk about closure. We, we, we use that word a lot, like especially this, this, uh, this episode, but it really just sounds like. Uh, I mean, maybe Matt got a little bit of closure last week, even though we can really analyze that conversation with his his dad happening on the show. Maybe he did get some closure, but I, I don't really know if Matt's mom ever did. It didn't really sound like it. Um, so I just really felt her her pain there. And I think it sort of served as some foreshadowing with, um, you know, usually with this franchise, there's this narrative of like love conquers all, right? Where it's like, oh, we might mm-hmm. live on different coasts. We might be at different spots in like our career. Or we might have like familial things. But as long as we're in love and as long as we get engaged at the end of this, then like that'll conquer everything, right? And this was one of the first moments and there, there may be others, but it just really hit me how they went against that narrative of like – you know, maybe love isn't always enough, right? And acknowledging yeah. that, like, people can fall out of love, and uh, you know yeah. how you navigate that, and how painful that can be, and how fear-inducing that can be. Yeah, I I like the way you said that, Brett, because I feel like I was feeling a little bit differently about it. Um, well, I think it is super important to acknowledge that like you can fall in and out of love but that doesn't make like a love invalid right Mm -hmm. just because you fall out of love like that still was a real love i guess i felt like it was almost i like again i felt for matt's mom but i i I felt like she was helping to pass on like a little bit of generational trauma there like Mm -hmm. to to matt and i you know she's obviously been through a lot i'm not trying to demonize her or anything sure and i don't think parents and mean to pass on generational trauma but there's a reason why that term exists you know because it's a very real thing parents pass on a lot to their children no matter what age and this is obviously throughout his whole life and so for me i i I felt like this was an that was an emotionally stunting moment for matt potentially but at the same time i am realist like i've always believed that you know i don't necessarily believe in like one true love i believe you can have multiple great real big loves in your life so I think there's a way you can broach that topic and be less doomsday about it. But um, you could see like the seed being planted in Matt and like that moment changing. And maybe he did need to be brought back to reality. You know, maybe he did get swept up in the, in the romance of the, um, the show. 
again, we don't we don't know. It just even though it was Rachel and we for reasons off camera we have serious issues with her, I was still excited to see that he was so excited about love and a relationship and potentially doing the next step in in his life. I think maybe it's about changing the narrative around for maybe not forever because obviously that's yeah. going to forever be that, I was I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, that's always going to be tied to marriage, but I think like getting engaged, I think it's okay if you break off an engagement. And like that's definitely a new thought. Like I used to really be like, oh yeah, people who get mad about like only wanting to be engaged once. Like I I get that. But now, like, as I saw this, I was like, well, maybe it's okay if, if an engagement doesn't work. Like, there's a reason why you don't get married the day after you get engaged, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's more, like, just to kind of even, like, give more context to, you know, when I said, like, we're we're seeing, you know, this whole idea of, like, you know, sometimes love isn't, like, enough. Like, when I say mm-hmm. enough, it's not necessarily, like, it's love isn't enough to necessarily last, like, forever, your entire life, right? There are other life circumstances uh whether that's people changing or things happening that you know are gonna it's it's more like make it so it's it's not gonna like just like fail but again what you were saying is like there's there's different narratives around love where you can have different loves at like different times and um and like you know i think about if someone is together with like their partner for like 20, 30 years, like that's still exactly like still a valid love, even if it didn't like work out until like death did them part. Um, but, you know, literally look at like the phrase like until death do us part, like it's very rare for partners to, you know, die at the same time. So like yeah. love can still exist after someone becomes like a like a widower. And it, there's just a lot of different types of of love for sure. Yeah. To your point about like the Bachelor Nation narrative, like we never see that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Like you're like love changes through every stage of life. And if you are the type of person who wants a love for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, you have to be very real about with yourself about the fact that you're not going to be head over heels in love the entire time. It's going to be waves and come and go. And it's going to, you're going to have to be able to like be best friends with your person and like, settle into these different types of loves and that's fine and that's okay and I think it's kind of a little misleading to say well love fades that's like where my issue with the statement stemmed a little bit of like sure I don't think it's fair to tell Matt like that it's doomed if he's not head over heels in love with the one he chooses for the rest of his life you know that's a lot of pressure people can change people can grow his love or his engagement or his feelings about really feeling that he could be with this person forever in that moment are super valid. And I don't know, it just made me a little sad to see him like crumble a little. Yeah. And, you know, we, and we see him, you know, crumble even more when we finally get the moment where he's sitting on the curb and Chris comes up to him, asks like how he's doing. He says he's very, you know, not okay. And we start seeing, you know, some, some uh, unfurling here with Matt. My mom kind of starts grilling me a little bit. She's like, you know, like, are you sure this is like something you're ready for? Um, You know that feelings come and go, Matt. And then I think about the look on my mom's face when she was saying that, you know. I could almost see her tearing up a little bit thinking about how feelings faded with her and my dad. And I'm just like thinking about where I'm at with Michelle and Rachel. 
and how serious of a commitment I know that this is. Like that commitment to me is everlasting. And the, the more information that I'm learning about myself and my family and my mom and, and what it takes to have a healthy relationship, the more I'm starting to pump the brakes on if it's something that I'm ready to commit to right now. That's a lot. That is a lot to unpack. This is not the guy I, I was talking to a week ago, two weeks ago. There was a time when you believed in what you were saying about my wife's in this room and I'm, you know, I, I, I plan on, you know, I want to get engaged and that's, I, that's how I want this to end. Like, Yes, that's how I felt and that's still how I feel because they have all the qualities that I'm looking for, you know? But it, you're silly if when you don't get new information and you have a new view and perspective on something, if you don't have a change of heart. And, and, that, and that perspective is mom says, love changes, love wilts, feelings change. Like, don't worry, love ends? I mean, what kind of greeting card is that? I mean, Not a top seller. Yeah. Yeah, and so and also to note here, like a lot of Chris Harrison's screen time, I get it. He's having a conversation with Matt, but I there were just there were even like lingering shots when Matt walked away of him just looking so forlorn and distraught. I'm like, really nothing was done to minimize this man's screen time. Like whatever. Just a thought. Yeah, just a thought. Yeah. But um yeah, like you said, we see Matt kind of coming apart and we see it more we see it. We just see it continue to unravel throughout the whole, you know, finale portion of the episode, and we see it when he's with Michelle. You know, like they go on their little date. You know, they're spending time together. Michelle gives him a gift, and his face is just like, "Oh yeah, that that thanks. those jerseys hit." Yeah, those. Well, I think that too. Like I was, I was uh, talking to a friend about this, like when it was it was happening, or I was trying to, um, and um, I I do wonder if. Michelle hadn't like given him like that gift if like their breakup would have happened like right then and there. But I do think it was like an interesting moment where I mean I think it was bound to happen, but I do almost think it expedited his feelings of like, yeah. oh, I'm like really not into this because he was able to see such a contrast to like where his feelings were, where mm -hmm. Michelle Again, Michelle doing amazing over here, just being super sweet. And this is like an amazing uh, gift. And uh, and yeah, like just the fact that you can see such a gesture of love, you know, talk about a love language with a like gift giving over here. Mm -hmm. And then you can just gut check your reaction. It's like, oh, like I feel bad. Yeah. Michelle's telling me how much she loves me and how she sees a life with me. And I'm holding up our jerseys, you know, Mr. and Mrs. James and... Right now, in this moment, I have doubt about our relationship. I feel terrible. I didn't know this is how it would feel. I don't want to tell her anything that's going to break her heart. But when you care about somebody, you're honest with them. And I just got to let her know. And then, yeah, I think he just knew because of that gift and how he felt, yeah. he had to end things. I want to say I do like the fact that he ended it then and there and not at the alter engagement scene. I think that is kind of cruel, low key. Like, yeah. I feel like we can still have suspense and see. We've seen some breakups, you know, that don't make it to the 
I keep calling it an altar. I don't know what else to call it. Um, it's like the like the, the scene uh, of the engagement, the grand, the grand stage. I don't know yeah. what to call it. Yeah, the grand. Yeah, I mean, we've seen many uh, a journey end right before there, and I think yeah. that those moments have been just as dramatic. Yeah, and I think they probably have less impact on the person. You know, like whenever we see people like profess, I mean, Michelle was still professing her love, but it was definitely a, a less pressure moment, a less all eyes on us moment. Yeah. You know, then doing it hand in hand with the person that you think is about to propose to you. And you're just like saying all these things that you're feeling. And then they're like, I fe- I love like you're great. But and then you're just there in your like beautiful dress. Yeah. Like yeah. trying not to cry. You know, like right, I, right. I've always thought like that was a little bit cruel. So I yeah. am happy that Michelle got broken yeah. up with like on a comfy couch, like in yeah. a more intimate setting as breakups should be. Yeah. So that was. A silver lining. It does seem like there's like a tendency that they're maybe leaning a- away from that and for good reason. I mean, mm-hmm. even look at, um, you know, like Tasha and Zach getting together, you know, like Ben um, had been like broken up with, like it wasn't right on that, that final, you know, altar or what mm-hmm. have you. Right. So, and I mean, Peter's was a lot messier, but it also technically wasn't uh, yeah. like that same situation. So yeah, I don't know it I might be a that, trend. But- I don't know I if I count that. that either, but te- <laughs> on a technicality, it falls yeah. into. Uh, but I, I yeah. agree with you, and I would like to see that trend continue a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so after the breakup with with Michelle, which was like visceral to to watch. I mean, it was just like, it was just so fucking sad. Um, I just felt like really fell for. Her. Um, you know, Chris visits Rachel, says that Matt's like distraught and that there's not going to be a date today. And then we get a visit from Neil Lane and, you know, they're doing like the typical uh, ring thing. I actually thought it was almost like a refreshing uh, glimpse of Neil Lane because we're very used to just seeing him like pop in when everything's joyous. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's two rings. And like, you know, he's he's very used to like this like bread and butter shtick that he has. But well, didn't Brendan didn't Brendan have like a similar kind of talk with Neil Lane? I can't remember if it was like quite on the nose. You know, I I do think yeah. that they kind of talked about how he had you know obviously uh, they they had both been divorced, right? So mm-hmm. I think they they did cover that, but it was just at least for me a little more striking watching. Maybe it's just because it was Maybe it's Matt it's and Neil Lane. Yeah. Well, I think it's because it was a lead, but I think it's because it was just the two of them also mm-hmm. that I think they were able to get a little bit more, you know, like raw and real, as they say. And I really liked his line when he was talking about um, people's like expectations for for love. How many people really understand that they get blinded by love and they get into something they're really not ready for? The work. Yeah. Love is not easy. Commitment's not easy. Yeah. And again, I think this taps into the theme that we obviously were getting with, you know, Matt's mom and and this whole thing of like this this idea of like love one being eternal, right? And it's like it's like all or nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And that there's so much more that uh, goes into a relationship beyond love. Yeah, I agree. I I just remember also feeling like there's a moment when Neil Lane had like a slight moment of like 
like chalk on his face like wait what and then like compose himself and was like oh but this is what we're doing okay and like yeah. you know like he i don't think he saw it coming either so yeah not yeah. that he would it's not like he's been a part of the season but <laughs> yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, true it yeah. made it feel a little bit more just like you're saying raw and real to me too i was like oh this is happening this is yeah, yeah. he had to I do a little say, uh pivot as they yeah say. <laughs> yeah and and i will say i thought it was a little maybe again maybe this is in my head too but i did chuckle a little at the end when he was like I'm gonna hold on to this, and Neil and was like, "Yeah, I guess. Like, I guess you just hold on to it. Just decide if you're gonna use it or not. I don't know. Yeah, I just, he, yeah. Neil, Neil was over here, like, I did not sign up for this. I just I came like, here to give the ring. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess we'll hold on to it. You better give it back if you don't use it. Like, I don't know. I just, I it did that little part did make me chuckle. Yeah, but um, yeah. And so then we are get to the Rachel's. Date? Question Whatever mark? you call it, date um, slash not proposal. You get you get yeah. to like Rachel's promise. Is yeah. that what we're gonna call it? I guess so. You know, Matt needs time to think. Understandably so. He's been rattled. I truly feel for him. He, I think he made the right decision of needing time to just yeah. really make sure that whatever his next move was was going to be the right move. And then she gets a note that's like, "You deserve answers. Like, let's talk it out." And I'm yeah. thinking, okay, they're going to have like, a conversation. And the next thing I know, it's the scene of the proposal. I'm yeah. like, wait. Well, it's like, not only do they say, let's talk it out. He says, like, meet me at the lake. And I was like, that sounds like some like some horror movie stuff. Nothing good happens at the lake. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it definitely had an ominous tone. It had an ominous tone, like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Spooky vibes, man, at the lake at that Spooky time. Spooky vibes. Well, I did think, like, I mean, obviously there was no snow in this, in this moment. Um, yeah. which was a little confusing. I mean, I get snow melts. I get that. But I was, just, it was a lot of different seasons kind of showcasing <laughs> the finale. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I did think when Rachel, beautiful dress, but when Rachel was walking towards Matt, I was like, she must be fucking freezing. Like, I thought she w- she must be freezing, and also I did really love the dress too. But like she kind of blended in with the trees. It was like camouflage. <laughs> I didn't even think Mold about bad. that. Mold That's bad. so funny. It was like, oh, where'd she go? Um, <laughs> um, and so we have the non proposal. We have Matt's, you know, basically, yeah, promise ring version. He honestly should have given her like a a ring, like a promise yeah, ring type yeah. thing, because I think that would have been still like cute and symbolic, but. Well, okay, for how in his head he was, like, that was probably the best decision. Like, you never, ever, ever want to go through with a big life decision when you are feeling some type of way. So, on that, in that sense, I was like, I thought it was objectively, like, for him, the right decision. Yeah. But it really made me start thinking about, like, what is the show? What is this becoming? And so, some changes, obviously, for the best, and some I'm I have more pause about. And I was wondering if you had like any any opinion on on this ending and how yeah. on these changes that are going coming about so it's it this is super relevant because i was actually going to bring this up because a friend texted me um last night i still have to get back to their text so whoops um but i did see it before i went to bed and they they were very much of the mind like of oh if if someone isn't like ready for an engagement at the end like i like i'm done with this show. like why are they like not getting engaged well why for me, like, I just don't give a fuck if they get engaged or not. I just really don't. I mean, mm-hmm. out of all the changes I I want in the show, you know, obviously, like, diversity inclusion and all that, but also just other changes, like, format stuff. I, like, as far as, like, on the to-do list for me, 
I don't know, like the engagement stuff I really don't care about. And I think for some people, if they're head over heels for each other and they're both very much vibing, there's not like conflicting feels. And we've had seasons like that, right? Where you can just clearly tell that they are into each other. Like Zach and Tasha, for example, mm-hmm. there was no pause there. Man, they were like ready to go. Yeah. Then by all means, get engaged. I think it's also totally fine. Like just follow your own journey, as yeah. they say, right? I just like deeply yeah. do not care. Yeah, I like that you brought up Tasha season to make it Clasha season. Like, I definitely felt like Dale was pressured to propose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a quick breakup, but look, they're already back together. It's like I could totally see where like they would be happier just fucking dating for a while, yeah. right? And right. not be pressured into a life decision. Exactly. Um. So I agree with like go where the wind takes you, but also maybe. Maybe it's also like a casting related thing, like cast people who are genuinely ready for marriage. I, I don't know if you can always tell if someone's ready for marriage, though, right? Like that's kind of like the thing, too. Like I think, yeah. Brendan, for example, you think about like him. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I think about Brendan. I think about like Peter Krause. I think about that. There's all these different people yeah. um, where they might go into the show. Well, I think Brendan and Peter Krause are very different. So true, I no, think true. So right. I think I agree with you with Brendan. Like he obviously thought he was, and the process made him realize that he wasn't there yet. And so, and that was traumatic, and and like that, you know, was I hate to say it, but good TV, right? But I thought it was, you know, no one's bullying. Like Tasha's not mad at him. I don't know. I just like I thought like okay, that sucks that they didn't work out, but he lived his truth and he made his realization like going on this journey. So this journey was pertinent and important to him to realize like where he was you know whereas with peter kraus like he was definitely in love with rachel and definitely wanted to end up with her but on his terms and i'm like and i think that's not fair because that's you know she knew what she wanted so if he Mm. couldn't deliver that then he he should have you know walked away as well or he should have let her have her peace i just remember after the final rose i think he genuinely thought that he was gonna get chosen and that she wasn't with brian Mm. yeah because he was like please can we just talk just us two please like he was like begging her and he's like i try to reach out like blah blah blah. like i still you know very much saying like he still wanted to be with her and she was like no i'm good i'm good yeah and i think what happened there was that he kind of i mean there's a lot again a lot of pressures of being the first black bachelorette and i can kind of see how that's I don't want to say like an embarrassment. That's a very strong word, but it's like she's the first black bachelorette and also one of the first people who her top two is like, I don't want to marry you. Like it's, yeah, it is right, right. unfair to have something different than the standard. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of her anger at Peter was justified. And, but also a lot of it was also misplaced at like that. Yeah. Like Mike, why isn't my experience the same as the other ones? It's because, sure. you know, I'm an experiment. Yeah. Um. Right. So that's why I think they're different. But I also Matt's the lead. You know, like you can find a lead with a love story arc, a character arc that doesn't involve like being scared of commitment. Like, I'm sorry, Mm. but I think we talked about this a bit in the beginning, you know, Mm. and we kind of tied it to the discussion of like, can you be cast on the show if you've never been in love before? And I think we we kind of agree on that. But I think like you shouldn't be cast on the show if you have commitment issues. No, that's that's true. Yeah, because like there's. Uh, there's different blockers as to like why yeah. people haven't been in love before, right? Like yeah. if if someone is like they they develop relationships or however they want to label them, you know, with somebody, and like they're the ones who tend to like you know cut things off because of yeah fear of commitment, what have you. Um, yeah, like generational trauma, you know, like that's that's like a whole other thing as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's just like you know the dating slog and they genuinely want that, but they just haven't been finding it for whatever reason, then yeah, no, I do think that's a clear distinction. Yeah. And so to tie it back to the engagement thing, 
I think it's that's also kind of why I sprinkled in the thing earlier about like, well, maybe it's not a big deal if your engagement doesn't work out, right? Like I think yeah. the engagement is like a gorgeous thing to watch every like literally that's I love watching it because I think it yeah. is in that moment there's pure love there. Except for Peter and Hannah Ann, because we all knew that that was like we all knew that he wanted yeah. to be Maddie. So that was a little painful to watch. But like yeah. that one aside, they're all just like moments of pure love in those moments, whether or not those relationships worked out. Yeah. Um, right. and I think that's and that goes to what we're saying about like how all loves are valuable and and real and it doesn't have to end in a lifelong commitment for it to have been real. Yeah. Um and so for that I am team engagement. I'm not team pressuring people, but you know, let's fix that by not casting leads who are commitment phobic. Yeah. So that I guess that's where I stand with it. Yeah. I kind of go all over the place, honestly. Yeah. Like, but I don't know. I can I can I can see I can see like the the team engagement side of things, but also like team just like let them fucking date also. And so with that, that's that. He yeah. he promised rings without the ring, Rachel. They look really happy. Yeah, and then with that we get into after the final rose with Emmanuel Acho and and again calling out that Chris Harrison intros Emmanuel and I'm like, all right, not needed. Um, and yeah, like, so, I mean, I do really want to revisit like the, the conversation that we touched on earlier, as far as like how we think Emmanuel did. Cause I will, you know, yeah. I'll say that I, I really I, liked him. And I, I think like the reason I, I really liked him a lot is because, you know, obviously we, we see a lot in this after the final rose, when they talk about the pressures and expectations of like the first black bachelor, but I think, you know, it can very easily be like, look at Emmanuel's situation, right? Like how much intense pressure mm-hmm. is on this. And also too, like how he's very much having to work within the confines of not only just like this franchise, but uh, this very narrow one hour time slot with commercials. Yeah. And uh, he's never done this like exact capacity before. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he did very well, objectively. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think with all of like the other, you know, like factors way, and you think about like how, like I was very, you know, we were both like very receptive of him, obviously, but how much of the audience was not, how much of the audience was like, who the fuck is this? Where is Chris? Right? That is yeah. so much of the audience. So I can just give major kudos how much pressure that is, yeah. and I think he delivered in spite of it. Yeah, I think that he overall like net positive, you know. Yeah. I think no one is above critique and there were definitely moments that I was like, why did he say that? Um, yeah. Which, you know, we'll, we'll get to, but just to try to stay in order because I know we have a tendency <laughs> to jump around too much. So let's yeah. ju- try to stay in order of the after the final rose. Uh, my first thought of like, okay, I see why they pay Chris Harrison the big bucks is that his initial monologue, it just it just wasn't like the most natural. It was like fair. I felt like I could tell he was a sports broadcaster. Mm. And I think none of that is like his fault. That's literally practice. Practice makes perfect, you know. Sure. Um, and again, that's why they play Chris Harrison the big bucks. And But also Chris Harrison's been doing it for like, what, 20 years? So yeah. none of that to be like, oh, he's not good enough. It's like Chris Harrison is obviously better at this very niche job that he's been doing for 20 years. Mm. Like that, you know. Yeah, I just want to be like fair. I feel a type of way when people just like default praise people of color, you know, especially people of color who like have a craft or a talent or whatever and just default praise them in order to uplift them. And it's a thing that actually a lot of people in like art communities and um, people of color in a lot of art communities 
struggle with because they say like there's no real art critique of black art or indigenous art or art from people of color because you know no one wants to critique it because basically there's not enough like black critics yeah. and so it's like you so it's like this weird thing of like well it's just being elevated without critique and like artists can't get better without genuine critique yeah. um, or things can't be valued properly without valid critique and but because there's so many biases like most white critics like also it's, it's just like this whole thing so that is kind of like where my head is at we're like okay if we're gonna judge him on like the job he's doing we're gonna praise him and we're gonna critique him so so yeah so that's more just like a that's like a fucking practice thing like he's a sports broadcaster yeah. and when he's not doing sports broadcasting he's running his conversations the way he wants to and like you pointed out he's got fucking not just abc but disney breathing yeah. down his back yeah. Yeah. all right the right. ghost of walt disney is fucking mm. staring down at him yeah yeah no, and know. you know you know that yeah. walt disney was not you know yeah, not the not best exactly. person ever. So um. wouldn't have wouldn't have necessarily been loving this conversation. Yeah, probably. exactly. But well, to jump on your point, like I do think that's like a fair, you know, point to say. Like you didn't there. There's something to be said about like default praising, like without uh, substance of say, yes. it's like a like a you know a black indigenous person of color, especially taking the helm for the first time of something. Yep. So you know, just to just to give like more back because I definitely hear you on the. Uh, like the intro bit of like, oh, you know, he clearly just needs like kind of like more practice here. And that's something Chris definitely does well is like the monologuing. But uh, mm -hmm. and with yeah. that, you know, we'll get into it more. But I do think something I really thought was refreshing that Chris doesn't do, I think, especially genuinely very well is like having a genuine sense of curiosity and, mm -hmm. and prying and like exploring conversations a little bit more uh, coming from like. Because I think with with Chris, there's always like, oh, you're asking like this specific question because you're like trying to stir up some faux drama here, right? Like that's like the end mm -hmm. goal. I think with Emmanuel here, like it was just uh, it it just felt a little bit more genuine um, interest. I mean, I think a big part of that is because it's something he's passionate about. It he has like a whole you know book and video series around uncomfortable conversations with the black man. So this is literally his passion is happening, you know, right here, and it, this is like very much his expertise. Yeah, I agree with you. I I felt that because it's like also in some ways with Chris Harrison, it could become like perfunctive, right? Like yeah, like he's doing the same thing two three times a year every year so like yeah it's like he knows what might get drama or gets ratings but does he genuinely care himself who's yeah. to say you know like I, I did feel that i felt like he was genuinely emotionally invested but going back so like his first conversation is sitting down with michelle um and we find out that michelle was really not okay after the breakup and a big part of that was because after the breakup when she finally kind of like gathered herself and knew what she wanted to say to matt he kind of refused to see her and hear her out. Yeah. Which I think is very telling of, of character. Um, I just want to say like that is pretty trash to do. Yeah. You know what someone. I, you know what I immediately thought of like at this moment is like this, like hurt people, hurt people thing. And like mm -hmm. how that's still not okay. Cause obviously, yeah. um, you know, obviously Matt was going through a whole lot of pain, like that yeah. day week, um, and, you know, so that's, that's like for, for context, probably why he just like didn't feel like he had like the, the mental, emotional bandwidth to, you know, properly and fairly and 
humanely have that conversation with with Michelle and let her say her piece for literally two minutes, like what she wanted. Yeah. Um, but that's still like not okay just because you're hurting to hurt somebody else because yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, I think you can definitely see that he's grown. I mean, obviously this is speculative because we don't know Matt, but I think it does seem like he's grown a lot since that finale. Mm -hmm. In these months, I, f I mean, it would be hard not to, you know, in the reckoning that came in these past few months. Um, my only small thing was that he said something along the lines of like, if I knew you were feeling that way in the moment, I would have spoken to you. Yeah, that was odd. <laughs> I, I was like, you you broke up with her. You should have listened to her regardless, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe if she had a history of being emotionally manipulative or something like that or, like, rude or, you know, abusive. Okay, fine, yeah. yeah. But someone who you just had, like, a whirlwind romance with, who yeah. you curveball broke up with, and they needed a little time to gather their thoughts and they just wanted to express them to you for two minutes. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. It shouldn't matter what mental state they're in. You should yeah. always hear that person out. It's very much to be expected that she's going to be devastated by that. Yeah. And like for him to like not be like, oh, I didn't realize that you felt that way. Or if had I realized, it's like, how how would you not have come to that educated guess that yeah. she might feel that way? Yes. So that was my only thing that was like, annoying or it, it's kind of how we've talked in depth about like what a good apology is like giving himself an excuse it's like oh i'm really sorry there's no excuse but if i had known it's like no just like yeah you, yeah you fucked up there's no yeah. if you'd known no you should have just done it so right yeah so but but again i feel like we have seen like tremendous growth in matt so i will give him that that maybe he would have done that you know if that yeah. had happened now and not then so yeah so then we um, get into Matt and Emmanuel's talk. Um, you know, I think Emmanuel, by the end of this, I'm like, okay, he's definitely, he's talking to the white audience. He's not talking to mm. yeah. the POC. He's not t talking to the, you know, maybe white liberal. Like, he's talking to Trump America, I feel, throughout mm. this, which I have mixed feelings about, you know, and we're going to maybe pick that up at the end um but he's giving a he's like giving a lot of background and a lot of explainers for why you know two black men are like it's better to have this conversation between two black men which i i agree with yeah. you know it, it's a lot of audience hand-holding which again i'm torn about um but so then they get into the conversation and i think a lot of it is really great like i think you know matt said something that i literally like yelped and was like yes at I think that any other lead would be asked one thing, to find love, to find someone they're compatible with. And I felt like the position that I stepped into was to take on the weight of everything that was going on in the country at that, stand, at that time frame regarding social justice, everything going on within the franchise surrounding diversity and inclusion. And that's the pressure that I felt. And that's what I started to feel like my presence represented. Right. I feel like this is what batch diversity is also talking about and fighting for. It's like that checklist that you guys have of like all the things yeah. you want. And the only one checked is like black lead. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you're not setting him up for success. Right. And you're hoping that he will solve all your problems. It's tokenism. So yeah. I 
yeah, I was just glad he was saying it and like basically calling Bachelor Nation out, calling production out. I literally was like, yeah, fuck him up, Matt. Yeah. Speaking of setting up for success to our, our fave, Kristen, um, gone too soon. Uh, I, I did briefly climb on Twitter and then immediately got off. Uh, but I saw her tweet something like this conversation in this way should have been the one that happened at the beginning of the season yeah. that Chris tried to like take on and was not equipped to handle. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would have looked different because all the shit hadn't unfolded yet, but I think it would have been far more, uh, yeah, setting the scene and yeah. stage a little bit for the rest of the season. Yeah, I hard agree. Um, some moments in this that I kind of like, you know, like jump reacted to. Um, you know, he's talking about when he's talking about his arc with like the relationship with Rachel post show, but pre breakup. You want to believe that you know your person better than anybody else knows your person. And Wow. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. All this controversies swirling around who Rachel is and things that she might have attended and pictures that she liked and people that she's associated with. Before Rachel addressed anything or Chris Harrison spoke on anything, I'm trying to be there for her. And I dismissed them as rumors because that's what they were to me. You hear things that are heartbreaking and you just pray they're not true. And then when, when, when you find out that they are, it just makes you question everything. What is he necessarily like referring to? Like he, because at first they're just like only really talking about the plantation pictures, basically. Yeah. So it's like, well, then what's the straw for him to break up with her? And then it's kind of said that they broke up because of the plantation pictures. So I'm like, oh, okay. So he's talking about what he was dismissing and saying it's just rumors were the bullying TikToks, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like about bullying a girl in high school for dating um, a black man. Yeah. And that's something that that's one thing that I wish was addressed. Like I get it that that's like mm-hmm. an allegation versus like a concrete proof picture. Yeah. But I think there were so many things swirling around Rachel that ended yeah with the explosion of the Annabelle himself pictures, yeah. but that was not the end all be all and I kind of yeah. wish some things were more addressed, but yeah. I it, it, I did really think about yeah, like that exactly what you're saying where had those pictures not come out, I mean, obviously, had those pictures not come out, a lot probably would a lot, you know, looked a lot different. But I wonder if they would have even addressed like those rumors, right? Yeah. It's like, did they meet the criteria that was worth addressing on such like a public stage, right? 
Yeah. And also something's very specific he said when, you know, he was talking about like the rumors and, and all that. And then he specifically said, uh, you know, like when you find out they're true, it makes you question everything. It's like, what did you find out was true? It's like, is it yeah. specifically that like the picture or, or did you like, what did you ultimately end up believing versus not? I felt, I, I, okay. Yes. Thank you. It's like, yes, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, did you find out like, did she admit? To bullying this girl is yeah. it that black and white or or is the thing that you're finding out true the fact that like she has ties to real racist and problematic you know behaviors yeah. and thoughts from yeah. the past because when i think about the reason why i wanted those bullying tiktoks to, to be addressed it's not only because of the allegations but it's because of the way that her family and friends reacted to them yeah and yeah they reacted by piling on more bullying yeah. and like yeah. And and so to me, it's like, well, okay, if she's like unequivocally denying it in private to Matt and then all these other things come out, if I were Matt, that'd be like, okay, well, this is hard evidence that goes against the other things that you're denying. So like yeah. what – so are you saying like, oh, all that stuff that there's no evidence for, that's definitely fake, but this stuff I'll own to it? Like I, yeah. I would – yeah, I, I get – I like understand why Matt broke up with her. That, okay, we'll get there. That was so heartbreaking, Um, but – Back to him and Emmanuel. Um, I love that he kind of like cut right to the chase with a lot of his que- like he'd ask mm-hmm. a question Chris Harrison style. Matt would dance around it in usual yeah. fashion, and then he would f- do the follow up with the real question, like right, like the. So are you guys broken up? <laughs> like yeah. I, I yeah. was like, yes, love to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought he killed it in those moments when he was like, no, I'm not letting you get out of this question. Yeah. So I loved that. Um, and then there was a moment where I also was like, yes. What would you say to people who imply if you broke up with her over an action from three years ago that wasn't intended to be malicious, then you, Matt James, never really loved Rachel? You know, it was a long time ago. What's that? Plantations. And so I would ask those same people who are so triggered to bring that same energy to supporting folks of color who are asking for change because a lot of those conversations that are being had are outside of people of color and people who have never been the only person who looks like them in a room and someone who's never been discriminated against. So I like this because I felt like, you know, alt-righty types or maybe Trump supporter types or conservative types love using the word triggered against quote unquote snowflake liberals. I felt like that was him using it against them like i felt because i feel all the time when i see criticism from you know conservatives to liberals like on online i'm like you are literally getting so mad about a liberal being quote-unquote triggered i'm like you're literally triggered like i yeah in the way that they're using it right like i hate using that word lightly because i feel like it's very real especially for us yeah sure but in, in this context so i i was like yeah like why are you why are you mad, bro? Like, that's how I felt. That, that's yeah, basically what yeah. I felt like he was saying, um, yeah. which I was all for. And then my last, um, I guess, comment or criticism for this conversation was that I felt like on the surface, right? On the surface, like if I was not really familiar with racial tension, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I felt like it could be interpreted like Emmanuel was going like really hard for Rachel. Like I felt he never said the word devil's advocate, but he was playing devil's advocate. Um, 
in a lot of his questions. Yeah. What would you say to people who imply if you broke up with her over an action from three years ago that wasn't intended to be malicious, then you, Matt James, never really loved Rachel? You know, it was a long time ago. Been discriminated against. So then let me ask you this. Don't you believe she's a different person now? Couldn't you teach her? Couldn't you grow with her? If you were judged based off something of three years ago, if I was judged based off something of three years ago, I think that could, to a degree, be callous if we were committed by steps, by actions, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, to growth. And I I think if you look closely or listen closely, he says things like, what do you say for people who think this sort of thing? Yeah. But I felt like that distinction... Well. I would love to hear your your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think this might be, again, where we have like a slight, you know, like disagreement too, because I, I do really see what he was doing here. And I, I think it was really similar to like what you were saying before, as far as um, him like using the the phrases against like the, the audience that needs to hear it. Like, for example, like when Matt said the like the, the triggered language, right? It's like kind of using using the language. Um, it's like playing 4D chess, right? It's like using the language that you already know is going to come like in defense of this or, or you're going to like see online and like the, the Trumpian circles and like just, it's kind of like reclaiming like that language or like reclaiming like, okay, uh, you're going to say this, like just kind of getting ahead of what the the questions are going to be, the reactions are going to be and and almost kind of like, molding it in in such a way that they it kind of takes away their toolkit that's i think was trying to i think he was trying to do here i think he was trying to i think sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't but i do still respect that strategy i think he was trying to do that i don't think he successfully did it it reminds me of the episode of baby got batch when we faced the rachel allegations head-on right 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 before the chris harrison apologist conversation with rachel Lindsay, which we recorded it before that, but I think they dropped the same day. Yeah. I felt like you set that up really well, but also there was context ahead of it. It's like, we're going to talk about this thing. We're seeing a lot of excuses online. So we're going to like role play this out and like respond to those. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I felt like a lot of the language was devil's advocate. But what about, you know, what shouldn't you just love Rachel? If you're in love with her, shouldn't you work through it? And I think Emmanuel definitely doesn't believe that, of course. Like, I, Emmanuel yeah. obviously, and you, I think you could see it in his reaction to, like, thank you for sharing with us. Like, I think, you know, but I feel like there was no context to show that it was, like, I don't even want to say role play. Like, I, I felt like it was not clear that he didn't genuinely feel like Rachel deserved all the benefit of the doubt. And I yeah. think like it's clear to us. Like again, I don't I wasn't confused by where Emmanuel stood. I yeah. feel like it was clear to us, but I, I was like, this language is not clear at all. And I could totally see this being spun by those circles the next day being like, see, even the new host, even the new quote unquote woke host thinks that Matt was too hard on her. And that's just that that was the issue I had on it. I've felt like it was just too nebulous. And in times like these, we need to mm-hmm. be as clear as possible. <laughs> Yeah, no, that? that's that's true, and uh, uh, man, it, it's tough because like I I don't even necessarily know. I think I'm a little bit more cognizant of like I feel very realistic knowing it's like yeah we have a lot more control over like the yeah. formula right, and yeah. I, I think that's more why like I mean I this is oh a, well a this isn't theme. even like 
yeah, we. I mean, this is also totally giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like he could, yeah. he could have prefaced it and it got cut. You know, like that's yeah, totally yeah. real. Yeah, because I think that's more where I'm where I'm at. I think with it is like, I I, I think there's been a lot of different themes like with with this season of like uh, like misdirected either critique or, or energy and, and not that not that that's like misdirected entirely, but I think I more tend to think that that was probably a not only just like production choice and, and editing and like what was left out and all that, but like in like a production choice and framing too. Like, I don't really think like Emmanuel specifically had like the ultimate power to phrase it exactly how he would have wanted. You know, I, I, I think there's probably a lot more at play there. So I think I am a little bit more willing to give him like the benefit of the doubt on that, like kind of like specificity. Cause I think the overall strategy was still good on his part. I'll reiterate now, and in case I, you know, maybe accidentally missed saying this at the start, like a lot of this is benefit of the doubt for Manuel. Like obviously he's, one, this is a new position. This is not what he's normally used to doing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's never even seen the show or like doesn't watch it, you know? Yeah. So there's, of course there's that. But I, I think there's something to be said for using your power. And I would be surprised if he signed up for the show without saying like, but I'm not going to just say what you want me to say. So there's that. Yeah. And so we're talking about navigating this white audience and like talking to this Trump audience, which again, like it, it's a choice and I'm not even saying it's the wrong choice just because there's parts of it that I disagree with, you know, mm-hmm. but I would be shocked and, and disappointed in ABC, but and also partly slashly Emmanuel, if he didn't negotiate the fact that he wanted this to be his voice and he didn't want to be controlled by this narrative. Like there's a reason why Rachel Lindsay said, no, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's collaborative, 100%. It's not like he's someone who is cast on the show and he's being yeah. manipulated by producers. This is literally his job and career to interview, to host. So I'm not giving him as much benefit of the doubt as like a random contestant. But of course, I also believe that he probably has no say in how it's chopped at the end. Like many things, there's like nuance. It's not a binary of like, oh, he's in on it or he's not in on it or like he had control, he had no control. It's all a balance. So I think there were definitely choices he made that I think maybe were more softball-y in some places. I think this is kind of one of them. I can totally see a world where he did qualify it and was more expressive of like, this is what one part of the country might say, you know, and he really made it sound like to play devil's advocate. And that's, whether it was partly him and partly production or all production or all him just across the board, I felt like that was a choice. Like we said, like you can make something look worse, but they're also not trying to make him look bad. They're just trying to cater to white America. So like, yeah, there's a lot of factors at play here. I think it could have been worded better. And I would be surprised if we didn't see spin of like, you see, even he thinks this. And, yeah, yeah. um, and that does not mean that Emmanuel is a bad person or he did a bad job. Yeah. Right. And so, before we move on to um, you know, Rachel, him and Rachel, and then the three of them together, I just want to say thank God that they didn't air the breakup because I know that, that is a trend mm, to watch yeah, the breakups yeah. happen, and I don't know if it's a good trend. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a good trend, and I like that they didn't. Yeah, show there's it. definitely been like a lot of, especially in like the final, you know, two, especially in like in this, you know, in in this circumstance. Um, where that would have just been like another moment where it's like, yeah, we shouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. And I would have felt that right in the moment. Right in the moment. 
Um, it reminds me of like Jason Mesnick, like his after the final rose. You know, he broke up with the girl he chose on after the final rose and then asked right. the runner up if she would give him another chance. But they also admit that they had already broken up, you know, behind the scenes. But this is kind of like yeah. airing out of stuff. And there's still problems with that, of course. But like there, there, even that feels way more ethical than like actually seeing the person be blindsided. Like at least that yeah. girl wasn't blindsided yeah. when she yeah, was right. on national TV. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. And so now we're getting to the point where Emmanuel sits down with Rachel. And yeah, like, so this is again, kind of like what we were um, like mentioning earlier, where obviously all of this is focused on the photo. And I, I think it would have been interesting to to navigate into the many a more, um, you know, allegations or rumors or what yeah. have you. Uh, or that, even that show swirling. the other plantation photo. Yeah. Because he was like, oh, this is for context for people who don't know the controversy. And that photo means nothing. It's like you can barely even see the dress. You can barely right? see the dress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought the same exact thing. And yeah, because that's. Oh man. All right. That exact like point. It's like, yeah, you could you'd, like barely even see the dress. It's like, there's as fucking uncomfortable and tough as like, and, and just sad this whole season. And, and especially the after, after the final rose has, has been, um, I think the quote unquote good or the impact that can come from this is like, and this is why, you know, we've ta- ha- talked about this in general where it's, it's why I like having, these types of conversations as it pertains to like bachelor world, because I am very aware that bachelor nation is not like the liberal bubble of New York. Right. I know that there are so many people who are watching this that need to hear this, that need to understand it. And they need sometimes like a handhold, even though I obviously like we, we both critique, um, you know, how exactly that's done. Mm -hmm. But I think the impact there is like, there are so many people watching who saw themselves in that, in that moment, right. They saw like Rachel and like the, the little bit of the dress that they did see. And they were like, Oh, I've been to one of those before. And Mm -hmm. it is important to fully show the full context of that show the full dress show like yeah what you were saying the multiple pictures and really go through like here's an explainer on like why that's not okay and they and i think they they did do that pretty well as for like the limited time that they did have to work with i would have obviously loved to see like two hours of after the final oh my god or half an hour of like the the other section uh but uh that's like where the impact is here and i think that's really how we move the ball forward, right? It's like there does need to be a path for people to like understand like, okay, this is what, this is wrong, right? Step one. And two, this is why it's wrong. Step three is like, here are, here's how you take proper accountability. Step four is like, this is how you, you know, listen and learn quote unquote. And then step five is like, here's putting that into action, right? It's, it's, there does need to be a pathway for, you know, the survival of society, right? Otherwise, we're just like doomed. I got to say, I really thought Emmanuel like shined here when he was talking to Rachel. Like yeah. I, because I think we both agree, like there's parts of the handholding that are kind of like eye roll, but like necessary if we're being honest. Yeah. And I think the way that those devil advocate questions sounded, I thought that was the handholding done poorly, but I think yeah. most of the handholding was done like impeccably. And that's yeah. kind of what we talk about when we're saying like pay someone to do the labor. Like this man is obviously being paid a lot of money to host this. Yeah. Um, 
And that's literally his job is to like, like his job today is like to help handhold people through mm-hmm. these issues. Yeah. That's the whole reason why people were like, Chris shouldn't be parts of these conversations from, from episode one. So yeah. yeah, I thought, yeah, that was done well. And I do want to differentiate like the difference between critiquing, like we acknowledging like the handholding and critiquing the times when like, maybe it didn't, wasn't like the best yeah. executed, but I thought, most of his time, just like the way his conversation with Matt ended, I thought was was gorgeous also. Like, I felt like you really connected. I felt like Matt felt like he was in a safe space as well mm-hmm. um, and was able to say his piece. And even though those questions were phrased in a way that was like devil's advocate we know how Emmanuel meant it and so did Matt. And it was a, such a safe space. And Matt didn't get defensive or he didn't cower. And he wasn't like, oh, well, you know, he held his power and he said his piece. And he was like, these are the reasons why it couldn't work. And they're all true and valid. And like, we agree with those reasons, right? Like she needs to do the work. She needs to do it on her own. Like I can't walk her through that. It's painful. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like we got the answers we needed. My only issue is like, I feel like because of the way the questions were phrased, maybe people wouldn't be willing. They'd be so like, yeah, on board with the question that they're not going to listen to the answer. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, and, and kind of exactly what you were, were saying, like, I do think that, um, you know, even if we have like slight, like not even disagreements, I don't even know if I could say disagreements. No. It's, it's some nebulous. I think we push each other word. to see things, yeah. see the same situation from different sides, yeah. from diff- not yeah. even sides, from different points of views, but yeah. the point of views that like come from the same um, section of like our liberally yeah. brain. You say things all the time, but I'm like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, exactly. And then like with this, like what I was going to say is like, I can definitely agree that this was just like more of a shining moment, like exactly how I wanted to see it. You know, exactly. I, I think whether it was coming out of, you know, Emmanuel's mouth or whether Rachel was saying it, you know, things like uh, history is meant to be remembered, but not all history is meant to be celebrated, things mm-hmm. like that. And that point, again, I think he did this so perfectly because he was asking the right questions in terms of like, did you even think about this? Did you even know about this? And I love that she was so honest. She was like, no, I never thought about it, but it's not like I didn't know about, it. you know, she she literally was like, I could have connected the dots at any time. And I just yeah. didn't. And that's the thing that people don't realize is that people aren't dumb. People know that people live on plantations, yeah. but they don't yeah. think about that when they're on it or or having yeah. fun at it. Yeah. And so he's like laying that out. I thought every part of that, of the Rachel yeah. part was like perfect. Yeah, no, and same. And like one other line I just like really want to call out is like when um, I think I think they had essentially had Rachel say it was like, you know, people need to realize that, oh, like that defense of this is normal where I come from. Like it's the South. Like you wouldn't get it if you weren't raised here. It's like that doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it mm-hmm. okay just because it's quote unquote normal. Yeah. Right? I know we love to say whenever people say that, it's like, well, slavery used to be normal in the South. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's so many things used to be so normal. It's like all of this like is in ancient times, right? Yeah. Like this is like a, you know, like I, especially man, like when it, when it comes to, you know, life in black America and how much different it was literally a grandparent ago, right? Yeah. A parent ago. It, it's not ancient history. Yeah. Um, and then one question I'm glad that they closed on like th- this Rachel segment was uh, Emmanuel asking like, what took you so long to apologize and unpack- mm-hmm. unpacking that too? Uh, and man, this is, this is like, cause I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that especially if, you know, the person is some, is, is the one who either did something egregious, said something egregious, you know, what have you, I think it is important to address that immediately. I did see the point of like, 
what like not like apologizing when you don't actually mean it. I still think it's fucking necessary for her to apologize, but I did think there was something to like I you know, wanted to understand first. Yeah. And obviously like I can be like, well, you should have understood quicker. Uh, yeah. But I think there's something there to be like, well, you know, I, I did want to literally yeah. understand first before I yeah. just started like apologizing for, you know, and not mean it. Yeah. And I, so I was, I agree. And I was not expecting her to apologize like two weeks out. It's kind of like, okay, well, we know that you can't say a lot. So like, just say that. And then like, go through the journey but i i also didn't expect her to say anything like right away because it kind of reminded me of like hannah brown's you know longer mm. apology and like that made sense to me that she waited a couple of weeks she literally was like hired educators and like did yeah i still think it shouldn't take that long no i i, I like agree a, well yeah, that okay yeah, yeah. so i 100 agree i 100 agree so with that being said <laughs> that being said i really wanted emmanuel to be like but you don't think that the timing that you released yeah. a statement the day after Chris Harrison yeah. is roasted alive for defending yeah. you. You yeah. don't think that timing is convenient. That's yeah. when it finally cl- like, and if her answer was like, that's when I finally clicked, you know, whatever fair, maybe I guess like, yeah. but for me, like that's what I wanted to, I was like, this is almost believable. You almost got away with it, but like timing is everything. So yeah. do you want to walk us through your decision? Cause six weeks, I think is a long ass time. There's a difference between like two weeks and six weeks. And yeah. There's a difference between like like a couple hours versus a couple days versus a couple weeks, you know. And, versus and almost uh, two months. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and yeah, like that whole like you your feet were like in the flame, you know, and that's like what really forced your hand to to do it. Yeah. Well, also like you said on a on a past episode, like him fucking up like that was the best thing that happened to Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if her team or whatever ABC did feel like that was the Hail Mary in that situation. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if if that never happened, Rachel just would stay silent up until tonight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so, too. Which would have been fucked up also. Mm, So whether that's whether that's because it's Rachel's decision or because ABC had a muzzle on her. Obviously, we don't know that. Like the yeah. the inner workings there. Well, you know, you know, what, uh, like kind of going into like the next segment when when Matt comes out and you know he you know sees Rachel for the first time since their their breakup. I think something that like a lot of people didn't really you know know even if you knew spoilers or what, what have you is um, you know when he said like one of the big factors of like the breakup for me is when like you didn't understand most disappointing thing for me was having to explain to you why what I saw was problematic and why I was so upset. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why it was that's why it was problematic because mm-hmm. when I'm in a relationship it means that I'm committed to that person and commitment for me when I'm dating someone is on track to get married. And so when I questioned our relationship, it was on the context of you not fully understanding my blackness. He had to explain it to her. It's not like, oh, like 
like she didn't kind of arrive on that, you know, at that conclusion and, and that, um, you know, reality check herself that she needed to be walked through it. And that probably is more the, you know, like the reason why it took so long is like, it literally took like so much for, for her to even understand. Right. Yeah. And, and obviously like, that's like why we had like the downfall of that relationship. But I think that was really, it was really important and, sad and dark context knowing that like in the moment she didn't understand initially. yeah and i think that moment was the moment that was like the most heartbreaking of the whole after the final rose like like matt just really he was going through it he looked so sad and upset. like i was real heartbroken yeah. for him um he looks shell-shocked i mean he's he's like look shell-shocked like even in like the women tell all, like I saw it a little yeah. bit and I saw it obviously even more here. Yeah. That man was hurting and we were watching it and that was hard to see. Um, I think his silences said everything. Like I love that they left in a lot of those pauses. Yeah. Um, that was actually kind of jumping in on that. That was another, I think like another, um, a good moment from Emmanuel there too is like, I'm definitely a big believer in, the power of silence and like mm -hmm. letting silence just linger because yep. we have such this tendency where if there's like a slight gap in time and it's just like dead air, it's so uncomfortable. You, you immediately wanted to be like, Oh, let, let me feel that really quick. And I think if you let silence linger, people will naturally think about their points more they'll naturally give a little bit more just because people cannot stand silence so i think that was a really good mm -hmm. interviewing technique and yeah. strength from manuel there yeah and to go to that the moment you described of you didn't get it like i mean obviously she gets it now um but that must have just been like a, a wake-up call right like to tie it back to him saying like you think you you want to know your person better than anyone and so when you're dismissing rumors and stuff you're like kind of living in this world of denial of like no i know this person and then yeah. i can see where like when this picture when this concrete proof comes out and then the person maybe their first instinct is to be like why are people people just want to cancel me or something like that yeah. yeah to be like you're saying that to me a black man and i have to explain to you why this is yeah. fucked up yeah like you that's a lot of yeah. emotional labor that like who wants to take that on with the person that they thought was the person who understood them the most yeah. You know what this reminds me of a lot is the criticisms of protest, right? And the idea that I think is a valid one that sometimes in order for either people or companies or culture to, to really get things, they have to be personally affected or financially yeah. affected or what have you made um, uncomfortable made uncomfortable in every sense yeah right exactly and i mean this is uh this is like a microcosm of of that idea i think but you know for example if there's like a peaceful protest in a park it is incredibly easy to just dismiss that not look at it not even really have awareness that that's happening but yeah. if all of a sudden you know you bring it to, to rachel's point where you know because i do think that she very much was and probably still is in love with him and the mm -hmm. fact that uh you know she lost that love uh, the love of because, her life she said yeah the, the love of her life you know in her words um you know because of her actions and her not understanding that like that's literally consequences and with consequences comes actual 
learning. And I think that's actually what it took for her to get it. Yeah. And I think it's also important that he put up a clear boundary and, and broke up with her because I think if he would have just forgiven her yeah. immediately, like she, you know, she wouldn't have had to learn or she wouldn't have had to, or she could have been like, yeah, I get it. And like, not actually. Yeah. So she'll just like do her apology and like, be like, ah, oh, you know, I got to say these things for the gram. Whereas versus yeah. now, like she, she seems much more genuine. And of course we don't know her heart. Like maybe she's, yeah. maybe it is performative, but it feels much more genuine mm-hmm. than a lot yeah. of the other, like more performative apologies and things we've seen so right right there's definitely that um i there was just so many moments i think rachel was hoping that he would say something like i'll i'd take you back maybe you know like or like maybe there's hope for the future yeah even some sort of like carrot yeah Yeah. i mean he you know she grabbed his hand he like took it back away from her like i it was heartbreaking because you can tell it's you could tell matt's not over it but you could tell that he's like, for my piece, I fucking need this. Yeah, right. Um, my only last final thought, the only time that I thought Emmanuel, he himself, the person, kind of fucked up. Well, if you all want to share one final embrace. I'm sorry. I think he fucked up. I Bitch, what? wholeheartedly agree with Bitch, you. That what? was like, I was like, are you, it's like, read the room that you're in. It's like, there's three of you in this room and this is not the vibe. Not like the that. Vibe. You would never do that to a woman or if, or if he did that to a woman, he would have had immediate backlash. Yeah. Yeah. You know, slightly sexist undertones yeah. there. Not that mineral is sexist, just like, you know, institutional, whatever. But yeah, I sure. was just like, buddy no 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 personal space consent heartbreak boundaries yeah 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 and yeah because that's just it was like so much pressure yeah i don't know that i don't know where the fuck that came that was uh that was the one that was not good genuine that was the only l the only real genuine l that gotta be like dude yeah absolutely agree yeah um and with that um any final thoughts on the on the finale as far as last thoughts on the finale, we can probably give more time than after the final rose gave to the bachelorettes there. Like that felt so rushed. Uh, oh talk God. about things like, hey, you could have given after the final rose maybe an additional half hour just so the Katie and Michelle thing was not like, I swear to you, two to three minutes, maybe, if so that. I forgot, just like I forgot right now that that, that happened, I forgot then that, that was happening. I yeah. was like, all right, we're done. And there's a lot to cover there. There's a lot to cover there. I would have taken like a half hour of of yeah. talking to, you know, and again, it's not just like we had Katie. It's not just like we had Michelle. We had literally both of them to unpack like what they would want from yeah. their season and what, you know, maybe you can get into what changes they would want in the, you know, in the franchise and how their seasons yeah. handled it. Like there's, there was so much, honestly, that probably did happen that was just cut for time, right? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure like it, their conversation was not actually two yeah. to three minutes. Um, yeah, you're right. And and I love that Michelle, I thought Michelle was beautifully primed to be Bachelor. I mean, also she's runner up in years past. Runner ups have had a good chance of being the Bachelorette. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we know Katie was receiving a lot of criticism, um, you know, because she was not even top 10, things like that. And so I think giving her a little bit of space also like give, the same way that there was like a little bit of handholding for a certain audience. Yeah. Um, there could have been a little hand holding for another audience. Um, and I would have loved to have seen that, you know, like help Kate help set Katie up for success. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I would have loved that. 
But I would love to dive into that topic with you, you know, like the criticisms of Katie being um, the next Bachelorette uh, before people knew that Michelle was also going to be one. Um, I know that we've talked about this a little bit offline, and I think like you have brought some incredible points to the table that I think our listeners should hear. Oh, wait, it's a lot of pressure. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, no, but like, so, I mean, obviously, just like everyone <laughs> riding this roller coaster of a, of a season, there was a lot of updates and changes and all, all, all of that. So, I mean, when we just saw Katie as the, you know, next rumored lead for a long time, um, you know, I was incredibly conflicted because like my, my main, um, my main thought was I wanted like a black indigenous person of color or honestly, I, you know, my main choice was Abigail and I've literally told Katie that, but like my main choice is Abigail. Cause I think it was such a unique opportunity to serve an incredibly underrepresented audience in such a major way. And I just fucking love Abigail even yeah. like, even beyond that. Um, so, uh, you know, and obviously we have Michelle, we had Brie, we had like, oh, like Brie. Maggie, like there was so many, um, Brie deserves really just, love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a job maybe. Yeah. And a job. And I think like, yeah, Katie's awesome. And I think she'll do great as a bachelorette, but I think it's very valid criticism of like, she was 11th and there were so many women of color quote unquote ahead of her. Yeah. And I think, you know, the last bachelorette we've seen that was nowhere near final three. Yeah. Cause there used to be always someone who in the final three always. Yeah. And yeah. so the last bachelorette who wasn't was Hannah Brown. And she was like, yeah. what, like, like fifth, fifth or eighth or like eighth that? or yeah. eighth. And there were several women of color ahead of her. Like, for example, Tasha. People were upset that Tasha wasn't the bachelorette mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So, and I think that was a more clear-cut indicator of like, oh, we'd rather have, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Hannah B. season. I thought she was a great bachelorette. But that was a really, really good indicator of like, not even giving those women, those yeah. people, women of color the chance because, you know, we need yeah. to, like, yeah. this is a safer option. Yeah. It's, it's like know. even when, like, you know, black indigenous people of color were, they fit in the formula of, like, I finished third. Like, you know, like, yeah. it'd be like, nope. Like, it would still just, like, yes. not be enough. And I'm, like, fucking enchanting and charming and yeah. gorgeous yeah. and marvelous. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, nope. Yeah. I was just about to say justice for Tasha, but for once, you know, Tasha has had justice. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to get her as a co-host too. So she's got some yeah. gigs. Um, yeah. no, but then the other, the other side of like the, the conflicted feelings I had too, is like, so I wanted like a black indigenous person of color taking the helm, but then there's another part of me, especially watching just like how much of a visceral shit show. Yeah. I mean, all the words, um, to how, you know, not only like the, the, um, BIPOC women on on Matt's season, but Matt himself, um, the experience that they've had to endure and how painful it was. Tokenism, um, I was, left, right, yeah, center. Yeah, and and just like poor representation and not setting them up for success and and not giving them proper screen time and and um, respect to their stories and and perspectives and all that. Um, so I think with all of that in mind, also I was torn with like. Do we also immediately, given that Bachelorette's immediately going to start filming, I mean, they're already quarantining for it now, uh, do you want to throw another BIPOC person in there as like cannon fodder when the franchise clearly isn't ready, you know? And it's also very, um, 
like acknowledging that, especially like a mega corporation, like not only Bachelor, but ABC, but Disney, you know, they very clearly need to do some major structural, systemic, deep rooted changes like from top to bottom, whether it's the executive producer level, whether it's just more BIPOC producers casting all of all of the behind the scenes you know perspectives there's there's just so much change that needs to happen that it in order to do it in a way that lasts it might not you know <laughs> or it probably can't happen like within a week or two right so i think <clears throat> so i think um i can also see that side of things of like not wanting another yeah. bipoc lead to be like yeah, cannon fodder and harmed, uh, just so that we can be like, all right, we got we got another one, you know. Yeah. Um, and and, and then I a do notch think, on the bell of like, yeah, 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 because that's like how we got to to Matt's Matt season, right? Is yeah. like, you know, they just like checked a box and it's like, all right, we did it. Like, you can't like complain now. Um, yeah. And that kind of felt like it would have been like the exact same solution had they just said like, all right, Brie Michelle, you're up next. Like, have fun with this one. Um, so I do think. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, it's it, again, it's conflicted feelings, right? Um, but I do think what we have with Katie coming up next, and I do, I, I think there's probably plenty we don't know behind the scenes of like drama she was more in and all that. Uh, overall, I have like a very high net positive of of Katie and how she handles situations and how um, much of an advocate she's been online, and um, I, I just I trust her with the helm of like the the franchise and i also think um one the fact that i don't know if this was actually true but you know with michelle having her bachelorette season later on one she can finish out the school year with her kids which i think is great especially if that was important to her um and then two it does give abc disney bachelor time to get its shit together in a way that absolutely needs to happen. Cause I don't want Michelle harmed in this, the way that Matt yeah. was. Yeah. I was going to say, um, now that we know that, that Michelle's going to be bachelorette as well. And that's coming after, uh, Katie season. I feel like now there is no excuse. There's no excuse for Michelle season to be bungled. Yeah. And then, well, speaking of, you know, changes, I mean, we can close on this, but like we have the um, recent update that, you know, Chris Harrison isn't going to be coming back for Katie season, which I was incredibly nervous about because, yeah. you know, it's like we had, um, you know, the the rumors of Michelle like coming in as in getting in her own season. Um, but it was like, all right, we still have like the elephant of the, of the room is Chris and, um, yeah, so he won't be coming back for uh, Katie's season. It'll be Taisha and Caitlin uh, stepping in to, to co-host, which I think will be uh, – I think that'll be an, an interesting way to handle it, right? I mean, for a couple yeah. of different things. One is is like a co-hosting thing, so I think that they can sort of bounce off of each other. Plus, I just like them both so much more than than Chris. <laughs> and, uh, and then two, like I think it'll be an interesting dynamic having – women serve as the confidant for a woman lead and there's yeah. just going to be different types of conversations that they can handle respectfully and from a place of understanding that chris could never yeah i mean it to 
throw it back to the after the final rose. It's like what Emmanuel said about when he was, you know, hand-holding the audience to why it made sense for him to be having this conversation with Matt. It's like conversations between Chris Harrison and a female lead are going to look very different um, than a conversation between a female lead and a female confidant, host, you know, person who's here to support you. So someone who's been through it before and who also knows how garbage men can be, you know? So Yeah, yeah. And one one thing I wanted to call out too is like so even though I'm not on social media as much, I, I every once in a while stumble onto it and break my own rule. Um, but I did see, you know, some people, um, you know, express, especially, um, you know, Black Indigenous people of color, um, expressing like disappointment with with Caitlin having, um, you know, being being a co-host there, mainly because of her, you know, recent. Um, the, the recent situation where she uh, made like a comment in response to to Chelsea's, Chelsea's hair journey, her, yeah, yeah. Her, her hair journey, and then how she like kind of like tried to relate and she like co opted it to sell like hair yeah, vitamins. Yeah. Well, one co opted it just to first talk about like, oh, like I have a relationship with my hair too, and then the vitamins. So it was almost like twofold, right? Yeah. Um, so I do, I do think it's very valid to. Um, you know, to not necessarily trust um, or, you know, to just have reservations, right? I, I very mm-hmm. much get that. I think, um, I think Caitlin's a good example of, especially recently, of, of someone who is, I think, really starting to commit more to like their anti-racism journey and like their journey towards, you know, active allyship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that that's going to be imperfect as hell, uh, especially in the very beginning. And I, I think, I, I guess it comes down to like, I'd rather see people like publicly stumble with that stuff um, and address it and ultimately learn from it and and sur- use that as a way to like build upon, um, yeah, like their, their knowledge um, than like people who never try it all like never enter the the arena right never get on the field so i do and it kind of comes back to the point we were talking earlier of like in order you know for us as like as a franchise as a society you know to move forward there does need to be some sort of pathway for you know people to to learn and then like show through action that they've learned and uh I'd rather focus on people who are trying to become better and are consistently, um, you know, learning than people who are, you know, the silent majority or the silent whatever who yeah. just like never talk about these things or try to learn yeah. at all. Like I gotta say, Hannah Brown silence this entire season. Yep. Not been a fan of it. Yeah, exactly. But I think she might be trying to distance herself from Bachelor Nation as well. I'm yeah, not gonna that lie. Could be not a, that that's yeah. an excuse, but I just yeah. noticed that she's. No, I don't think she's commented on like anything this season. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. But I do think it's also interesting, like looking at Tyler, for example, right? Because I can, I, I know a lot of people have criticized Tyler for being uh, pretty uh, quiet. Silent. Yeah, silent mm-hmm. on all this, and that I'm torn with because I get it. Because I would much obviously, I'd, I'd pr- prefer him like being very vocal and defensive, Matt, and all that. But also, like that's literally his best friend, Matt's best friend, and you know, we also don't really know the conversations that those two are having, and like literally what Matt's wishes are, right? Because I'm sure yeah. if Tyler wants to say anything, he's 
likely checking in with Matt every step of the way. They're literally, I don't know if they're roommates anymore, but they were roommates, you know, before this whole pandemic. Um, so that, well, they were, and they were traveling together. Like they were, they were at the Super Bowl, whatever together, you know? So, um, and that, I feel like they were definitely broken up by then. If not just recently broken up about to have been broken up. So, so, so there's a part of me there that like wants to respect, like, Matt's it's a benefit of the doubt. And, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Objectively, maybe he could have even said a statement like, you know, queer. Like, I'm not commenting publicly because yeah, sure. of Matt's wishes, but who, maybe what Matt even didn't want that, you know? So sure, like, sure. Like, who am I to be like, he should have done this, this, that. I'm not the person to say that. I would have liked that <laughs> at the bare minimum, yeah. but yeah, I'm, w- I'm with you. We don't know. They have a different relationship than like most of Batch Nation has with the rest of Batch Nation. Yeah, right. All right. Well, with that, are we done with this season? Are we done with this fucking season? Did we make it? Oh, man. And we're still here? Oh, I never thought I'd see the day. (laughs) Um, We're still here. I was thinking, um, you are correct. That was a woof of a season. But I was thinking, you know, maybe it would be nice to like, like we had – we both had a lot of strong critiques of the season. I know I had a lot of critiques of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we both, you know, as we've said many times, for better, for worse, we love the show. And so I was thinking it might be nice to end like a, yeah, like end on a high note, like, like a highs and lows of the season, except we already know all the lows. Yeah. So skip that Fair part. Enough. And maybe just like a silver lining or a highlight yeah. of the season. Well, here, I'm going to, I'm being put on the spot. I'm going to toss it back to you as I think of mine. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think this out in depth. So I'm kind of putting myself on the spot too. Mm. If I'm thinking about the season as a whole, I think for giving us, you know, giving us Brie, giving us Abigail, giving us Katie, giving us Michelle. um, I just love those women so much. And I'm so, you know, and I'm just so happy that they, that they have this new platform that the show gave them and they get to use it however they want. You know, if Brie wants a complete career change, she can have that, you know? Right, right. Um, so I hope the best for those women and, and more women too. Like there were so many great women on the show, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and name all of them. Um, but I hope the great women uh, find love in paradise and that we, yeah. that's not the last we see of them. Yeah. So I think my high note of the season, and it's something we talked about in this episode and we talked about it uh, when it's come up, few episodes ago as well is um is acknowledging different types of family and different types mm-hmm. of love and you know i'm obviously yeah. thinking of michelle here because i think that's really important and i think both of you and yeah, i that really felt that yeah because <laughs> like yeah because like you know my you know we both come from um you know families like with divorce and how i definitely have have um worked through like this these feelings of like feeling like like inferior or like oh like well it, my future partner like if they have like this gigantic family and like you know it's uh, i'm like oh like is is it like not good enough that like i don't have that and like i felt like i wasn't you know to use michelle's word like bringing uh, enough to the table i wasn't bringing the same structure the same 
stereotypical view of what like a family, a marriage would love, what an upbringing yeah. looks like. Um, and I think that the Being valid that as you are. Yeah, yeah. And I think the um, conversations we've had around that where, you know, again, M- Michelle saying that, like spinning positives into that where it's like it might make you all the more grateful for uh, things that other people might take for granted. And I think that that can just resonate with so many people out there, um, you know, whether it's child, you know, children of divorce, whether it's, um, you know, parents that were either like single father, single mother, like that, that sort of thing um, that like, there's, there's just different types of, of family, different types of love, different types of relationship that are all valid and beautiful in their own way. Yeah, I agree. I, okay. I changed mine to yours. <laughs> I was worried no, you were going to say that. I was worried you were going to take mine. No, I totally didn't even think about it. I was just like, I like the women. Gosh, yeah. dig deeper. Okay, that's a, and that's a girl for next season. Next season, I'll dig deeper. No, I loved it. Uh, I 100% agree. I thought that that was a lovely, lovely addition and refreshing addition to this season. Yeah, yeah there's still positives amidst the shitstorm. And that's it for another episode of Baby Got Batch. Um, we're going to take a week off uh, just for a little bit of a breather. You know, it's been, a, it's been a hectic season, but we'll be back in two weeks. This episode was produced by us, Fred Vergara, and Camila Salazar. Have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, or love letters for us? Have people that you want us to interview, have questions for those people that you want to ask, email them all to us. We're babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to be extra nice, five stars. Please and thank you. And if you're not yet, you should follow us on social media. We're at babygotbatchpod on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're there, if you want to follow us personally, we're at Bredes Vergara and at Kami Lalala with two A's at the end on both. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.